This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Hey, everybody. I said, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Glad you came to church this morning. Glad that uh, you're able to be here and worship God with us. It's just such an honor and a privilege every time we get to gather together and worship God together and to hear His Word. So I pray that you came expecting to receive something from the Word of God that is going to impact your heart, impact your life in such a great way today. Before we get into the Word, I just wanted to give you a quick update. For those of you who know, we're in the middle of a project right now called the Momentum Project. And if you don't know what that is, it's just basically some reconstruction, remodeling going on in our facility so we can make better use of what we already have because our church has been growing so much and we want to make sure that we can keep up with that and we're trying to restructure things around that and how we're going to move forward as a church to be able to do more ministry and reach more people. One of the things that we have done is that we're actually going to move our offices over to this building because our current offices are in a building that is um, just one block up. And uh, we're actually going to sell that. We own that free and clear, and we're going to get that ready to sell. Um, But before we did that, we had to move some things over here. And um, we're almost 100% done with that. We just have some basic stuff to do, just put up some uh, trim that needs to get painted. And we have to get the uh, glass, the sliding glass for the uh, office administrator there. Uh, We need to get that installed, and that's supposed to happen this week. So hopefully within this week or the next week, we're going to be moving in that sucker, and we're basically going to be done with phase one. And we started this just in the middle of July, so I think that's pretty awesome that we're almost finished with the first phase, and there's only two more phases left to go, uh, which one is going to be doing a few uh, remodels in our kids' wing and um, uh, doing some things over here in the corner on the southwest wall. But the one that I'm most excited about is building our outreach center, which is going to be in the southeastern corner of our building. That God is going to be able to use that to just reach a whole lot of people and we're going to be able to stockpile some stuff and minister to people. It's just going to be an awesome, awesome ministry and an awesome thing that we're going to have here in our church. So I wanted to thank you so much for everybody who's helped so far to make everything happen. If you signed up to help for the Momentum Project and maybe you've been wondering why didn't I get a phone call or an email or something, I don't want you to think that we were ignoring you because we weren't. Just a lot of things in this first phase were um, more things that we needed specialized work like electrical work and HVAC work and we needed uh, you know some different things, drywall and things like that, that we needed more um, a skilled labor that we had to kind of sift through the list and go, okay, who wrote down that they can do those things? And uh, so if you've been wondering, I'm ready to help, I'm ready to go, I want to help with the Momentum Project, you can, and you can still sign up. You can always go online at WOGCC.com, and you can sign up to volunteer at the Momentum Project. Let me know what you can do, what you want to help with, because what we're about to do, we're going to need a lot of people to do, and that's going to be to move from our current office facility over to our new office facility, and hopefully that'll be happening either this week or next week. And then we're going to have to clean up the old office building and get it ready to sell. So we'll need a lot of hands, a lot of help doing that. That um, office building that we've had, it's been a good building, but just like your house, there's tons of stuff in it that we have no idea why we have it. And so we're going to have to sift through a lot of stuff, and we're going to have to kind of go through a lot of old stuff and determine what comes and what stays and what goes somewhere else. All right, so all that's going to be coming up. So we will be emailing you, calling you, if, and seeing if you're available to help. And so if you want to do that, also we haven't stopped our uh, Momentum Giving Pledge campaign. So if you haven't given and you feel led to or whatever the case may be, you can still grab a pledge card there on the tables on your way out of the auditorium and just pray about that with your family. And you can pledge and then begin to give towards that pledge um, just as often as you can. 
So uh, we're still looking at Here's one of the beautiful things about the Momentum Project, though, that I did want to give you an update on. What I had projected w would actually cost for the first phase um, were actually uh, about three or $4,000 uh, under what I projected it would cost us to do that because so many people jumped in and were able to save us a lot of money. We didn't hi have to hire stuff out. So I was like, praise God for that, right? So thank you so much, those of you that have been able to help. Thank you so much, those of you who have been giving, that you've been praying over this project. Thank you so much. It's been uh, uh, a, a great thing to see, and it's going to be a great benefit in our church. Peek your head in there on your way out. It's just right there to the left on the way out of the auditorium, and check it out and just look in there and see what's kind of been going on, and we'll get it all cleaned up and ready to move in uh, here soon. So thank you again. Uh, before we get into this message today, why don't we just go ahead together, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for everyone who's come today to worship you and to honor you, God. I would ask you today that you would help us to receive from your word the truth that you have for us. Help us to see it clearly. Have, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And give us a heart to receive the seed that is your word. Let it transform us from the inside out, God. Let it renew our minds. Let it just change everything in us, Father, that you intend for it to. As it's spoken today, I pray it's spoken with clarity and authority. And I pray it's received through that filter that each individual has. That your Holy Spirit can make it found applicable no matter what season of life we're in. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, last week we talked about how we need to parent out of faith and out of fear. And I preached a marriage, uh, I preached a marriage, well, I kind of did. But anyways, I preached a message that was called Grace-Based Parenting. But I had so much information in there that um, I couldn't fit it all into one. And so I had to make it into two parts. So this is Grace-Based Parenting Part 2. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't check out on me, okay? If you're not a parent or if you never want to have kids or if you have grandchildren or if your kids are grown and gone or, you know, all this stuff, don't, 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 even if you're a child yourself, if you're a teenager or a young person listening this morning, don't check out because what I'm going to talk about this morning is so vital because I'm going to break down the way God, the perfect parent, treats me and you, his children. And it's going to help us to understand how important our view of God is. It's going to help us to understand how we can see him in the truth light that we need to see him in so it'll bring security that we need and the love that we need from him so make sure you don't check out because i believe this is going to be a great message uh this morning for you if we have a heart to receive because it's really important how we view god it's so vitally important how we see him because it shapes everything in our lives i mean how we see god translates into so many different areas of our life how we view god determines how we will handle our finances how we view god determines how we approach our job and responsibility how we view god determines how we will treat our spouse oftentimes because that view of god and how we see him is a collection of our life experiences it's a collection of what we've been told it's a collection of what we ourselves have seen and what others have told us and what we've heard what maybe we've had ideas about that's kind of how we view God you know maybe some of us weren't brought up in a Christian home so we have a different view of God than say someone who was maybe we have a different view of God based off of what we saw on television or what we heard other people see or stereotypes that may be presented about God and so we have all these ideas about God but the most important thing that we need to understand is our view of God is going to shape how we approach everything in life and it especially is going to shape and determine how we parent. How we look at God is going to determine how we parent, how we approach our children. Because God wants us to raise kids who become adults that reflect His heart. That's what He wants. He wants us to raise children that reflect His heart. That's really what God wants us to do. Because the heart of God 
once we love him, once we grow in understanding of that love for him, then all of a sudden that translates into loving others because God loves people. And because we love God, we love people. And because we love people, we want to give and we want to serve. I think that's a little something that we put on a red wall in some giant letters outside of this room. It says, love God, love people, and serve the world. And that's exactly what the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. The Bible says this. It says, don't you know that you're ambassadors of Christ? You are ambassadors of Christ. The Bible says it's as if Jesus himself were pleading through you to other people to be reconciled to God. We're supposed to be reflections of him. We're supposed to be ambassadors, representatives of God. And you and I as parents have the responsibility to help shape their view of God. And a lot of it has to do with how we view God because that's going to determine how we parent. It's going to determine how we treat our kids, the type of love that we show them, because parents are really the first authority figure that a child ever experiences, and definitely the most consistent authority figure oftentimes that a child will experience. And to raise kids who reflect the heart of God, we must model and give our children the fundamental things that we receive from a relationship with God. You see, if we view God correctly, then all of a sudden we're going to be receiving the things that we need to receive from God, and we can model those things to our children. What does it do? It points them to Him. It's loving God and understanding the love of God. And then it's us understanding how to give that love to others and serving them, and then it points them to loving God. You see how this works? So you and I have to have a healthy view of God. We have to have a healthy view of a relationship with God. So we must model and give to our children those fundamental things that we're all born with. Every one of us have these fundamental needs that we're all born with. These fundamental things that we are looking for in life. And that is a love that is secure, a purpose that is significant, and a hope that is strong. Notice I said, not just love, but a love that is secure. A love that is secure is the foundation of all of the rest of those things. These are fundamental needs that every one of us have. And your children have them. My children have them. You and I have these needs. And only God can truly meet those needs. But we as parents can give our children the framework of these things and give them this sense of security, and it's going to point them towards God. It's going to show them how we accept them as they are, how we love them right where they're at, and how they can be secure in that. A secure love is a love that is a proven love. It's not one that's just spoken or that's assumed. A lot of times we may have grown up in a home where love was supposed to be assumed. And that love that is assumed is supposed to make you secure. And it doesn't. Even a love that is spoken doesn't make you feel secure. A love that is proven. A love that is not only spoken, but that is shown. Amen? You see, I grew up in a house, maybe, maybe you can identify with this, maybe you can't. I grew up in a house where my dad was very disconnected from our family. And I'm not here to badmouth my dad by any means because he did a lot of things well. But as I got older, he began to go off and travel and work. And there was a period of a lot of years where I only saw him maybe four times during my teenage years. And he was just gone all the time. And I know that in my dad's mind, 
He's thinking that I am showing my family I love them because I'm working hard for them. One day they'll see that. One day they'll understand that. Maybe one day my kids will understand because I work so much that I really love them. And this is my way of showing them that love. But I want you to understand something. A kid doesn't necessarily get that. They don't necessarily feel secure in that. But we assume that they get it. We assume that because we're doing something for them that they're going to know that we love them. It's more than just doing something for them. It's actually bringing that security through telling them, through touching them, through giving them love and security, through building relationship. That's what makes a child feel secure when they know that you care about them, when you're concerned about them, bringing them that security. Because if we don't, we're going to raise very insecure kids that are going to look for love and security from something or someone. Oftentimes, maybe you and I may be able to connect on the similarities of how we were raised and different things that we understood and different things that were modeled in front of us. But maybe you have a completely different story. It doesn't matter. If you don't receive a secure love, you're going to be looking for it from somewhere or someone or something. I heard a song on the radio the other day, an old 90s song. Isn't that sad that I say old 90s song, like I'm 200 years old or something? It was a song that I used to listen to when I was a teenager. I remember hearing it on the radio. As a matter of fact, I turned up the radio when I heard it come on because I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. And it's a song called Father of Mine by a band called Everclear. And the, the, the little guitar riff starts like, dun, 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 dun. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember this song. And I started listening to the song and it made me incredibly sad. I'm like, this is the worst song ever. This is the saddest song on the planet because the song is this guy describing how his father left when he was really young and how he remembers all the things he used to do and now how scarred and how terrible his life is and how insecure he is because his father was gone. And one of the saddest lyrics in the song that really bugged me all week long in preparation for this message, I kept hearing this lyric over and over again. It stuck with me. It said, I'll never be the same, I'll never be the same, I'll always feel weird inside, I'll never be the same. And I thought about that. Man, that describes an entire generation of people who they say, I'm never going to be the same because I am insecure, I feel weird inside. I'm never going to be the same because I don't feel secure. Why would you abandon me? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong for this to happen in my life? It must have been something I did, and I resent you because of this, and I resent you because of that. And then the song goes on just to talk about how empty this guy is because of that. Well, let me tell you something today. Your father, odds are, whether he was present in your life or not, probably was not perfect and probably still is not perfect if he's still alive. It doesn't matter if you know him or you've never met him before in your life. It doesn't matter how many times he disappointed you. Let me tell you something. There's hope for you because God is the perfect father. Amen? And if we look to him for love and security, he always delivers. He always delivers. Because God is faithful to His Word. He's faithful to do what He said He would do. He'll give you a love that is secure if you look to Him for those things. But I want you to understand that our view of God is so important because if we have a wrong view of God, that translates to our children. It will translate to our kids. So here's the thing. Some people have this judgmental view of God where they think because I can do everything right and I'm so good that I'm better than everybody else and everybody else is just second class. 
Everybody else is down here, and we're better than everybody else. We're elitists. And your children will grow up feeling like they're elitists. Your children will grow up feeling like they're better than everyone else because of that. Or we'll have a legalistic view of God that where we can never please God, and He's someone that we can never be good enough to earn love from. And so because we look at God that way, we parent that way, and our kids look at us as someone that they can never please. Look at us as someone that they can never truly get love from, and we're always just blowing it. We're always doing stupid stuff, and we're always a disappointment. We're always a failure. And that's how we'll look. Why? Because we look at God that way. You see, that's where that comes from. It's a distorted view of God. We have to have a healthy view of God so we can translate that to our children and make them feel secure in that love. And that's going to give them that view of God that's going to make Christ worth following. And it's not just going to be their parents' religion because this is what mama did, this is what grandmama did, this is what grandpa did, this is what we've always done. No, I know him. I feel his love. I know him for me. I met him myself. And my parents pointed me towards him through the way they raised me. Amen? Because no matter how good your kids are, you can't save them. Hello, somebody. You can't save your kids. They can't act good enough for them to get saved. Only Christ can save them. It's not your good works that save you. It's faith in Christ alone. Amen? But that love that we give them makes them feel secure. And I want you to understand something, that security, purpose, and hope are translated to our children based on how we receive those things from God. And those things are translated to us through grace in our relationship with Him. Don't you see how vital our relationship with God is in our parenting? You see, grace brings security because God accepts us right where you are. God loves you right in the middle of all your mess. Amen? He loves you when things are going great and when things aren't going so great. Amen? He loves you when you blow it and when you do things well. His love is not contingent upon your performance. I want you to understand something. A lot of our children look at us and they think that our love for them is based on their performance because we will say things that will communicate that to them in a way that we may not even realize. We will say things to our kids when they blow it and they mess up. We'll say things like, oh, you're so annoying. You're always on my nerves. Let me ask you this. If you're telling your kid you're always on my nerves, is that helping them? Is that helping them in the least? You're, 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 you're so slow. You're, you're, too, you're, you're too emotional. You're always a pain in my neck. You're always on my nerves. Is that helping our children by telling them that? Is that you see what, what that's showing is that we're out of control. And we're trying to regain control by putting our children down. By speaking negatively to them, we're trying to get them to change the behavior that we don't like. How many of you have ever told your children, you're a pain in the neck, you're annoying me, and then they go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. I'll stop doing that. (laughs) I don't think that works real well. But it does do some things in the negative that we may not recognize. We're telling our children these things, and they're going, they're going to do one of two things in their view of us, which is also shaping their view of God. And it shows how we view God as well. Watch this. We tell our children things like, you're so annoying. You're getting on my nerves. That child is going to feel badly because of the words that you've said, the words you've spoken. And they're going to think, I'm either going to change this so I don't get on mom and dad's nerves so they'll accept me and love me. Or... 
I don't care because I resent you because you don't love me or like me. Same thing we do with God. We'll go to God and, and all of a sudden we, we feel like, oh, if, 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 if I can't win God's love, win God's approval, you know, then I'll reject Him. The love of God is not something you have to win or earn. Amen? He gives it freely. He, he's not in heaven. And when you blow it and you mess up going, oh, you kids are getting on my nerves. Oh, you dumb humans. Oh, why did I make you... Why did I do this? You big dummies. Oh my gosh, you guys are a pain in my neck. And then you come to God praying. Don't you come to me praying. You're just going to say the same thing you always say. You're just repeating yourself all the time. Is that, what, is that how God treats us? Is that how the Word says He talks to us? If God's the perfect parent, then why would we treat our children that way? Why would we say those things? Because what you don't understand is that you're helping them see how God loves them. And you're helping develop that security in them. Because we'll express our frustrations. And let me tell you something. I'm going to tread lightly here, but I'm going to speak the truth because it's the truth. Amen, somebody. Um, let me tell you something. A lot of times, the reason that we deal with things the way that we deal with them is because we've created this self, very selfish culture within ourselves and in our home where it's all about me. And we'll parent very selfishly. That's why we won't deal with a lot of things that we need to deal with in our homes because we're more concerned with our kids liking us. I want my kid to like me. I want my kid to be my buddy. Well, let me tell you something. When your kids are sitting on the couch and they bring their buddies over and you walk over and say, Hey, dudes, what's up? Your kid does not think that's cool. <laughs> your kids don't need you to be their best friend. They need you to be their parents. And let me tell you something, it, this, this selfish desire for us to be needed and wanted, it will corrupt our children and it will give them a distorted view of God. It will paint a picture of God as, 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 as very selfish and self-serving instead of a very loving and giving God. You see, when we parent by grace, we love our kids just as they are, not based off of their performance. You see, our kids need to understand, sure, when they do wrong, do they need to get corrected and disciplined? Absolutely. Absolutely. God corrects us. He does. We see it through, all throughout His Word. The Bible says He actually loves those that He chastens. Those that He disciplines, He loves. So we need to discipline our children. I'm not saying we don't discipline them. It's just how we do it. Do we do it with this attitude that makes our child feel like they're stupid for the mistake that they've made and terrible for the mistake that they've made? Do they feel like, a, like they've somehow, their love, your love for them is somehow weakened? It's all in how you do it. It's all in the heart in which you parent. And it all comes from your view from God. The view that you have of God. Because this is what you think you need to do, or maybe this is what was done to you. And so this is how you think you've got to do it. But let me tell you something. If you love your kids for who they are, if they are annoying, guess what? You love them in spite of the fact that they are annoying you. Not denying the fact that you're annoyed. It's just you're not, you're not wanting to label that child and tell your kid that they're annoying. Listen, I don't like what you're doing right now. You need to stop it now or there's going to be consequences. And then if you have to follow through with the consequences, guess what? You go back and you reiterate the love. You don't leave that child feeling insecure. You Listen, let me tell you something. I had to discipline you and I had to do this because... You chose this. And I do this because I love you. And you may not understand that right now, but I want, you, I want you to feel the fact that I love you. I want you to know the fact that I love you. 
Touch them, hug them, love them, let them know this doesn't change the fact that you're my kid. I don't like what you did, but your status in this home has not changed. You're still my son, you're still my daughter. I still love you very much. I want you to feel secure in that love. And you see, that's the difference between showing that child that security that they so desperately need and just putting them down because you don't like their behavior. Because that's not going to change anybody for the better. It doesn't, if, if, if it worked, we would all be doing it and seeing great results. But talking down to our kids and things like that doesn't work. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 4, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't provoke your kids to wrath. Don't make them resent you because you are making them feel extremely insecure because guess what insecure kids grow up to be? Insecure adults. They grow up to be insecure adults who are afraid of their boss or who will resent their wife or who will try to manipulate their spouse. Why? Because they're insecure, because they've got a distorted view of God. They're trying to control someone or something. It's wrong comes from the view that you and I often will paint in our home. And let me tell you something. I want you to get this. When you create security in your home, kids feel it. They, they feel it. It's not just something that's spoken. It's something that's shown and felt. They feel loved. They feel secure in your love. They know mama loves me. They know daddy loves me. It's something that's regularly said. It's, and more importantly, it's something that's regularly shown. And maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you've got grandkids. Maybe you've got great-grandkids. I don't know what season of life you're in. Maybe you never want to have kids. But here's the thing. Every one of us are called to love God and love people. And because we love one another, we're going to have an impact and an influence on someone's life at some point. It may not be your kid. It may be the neighborhood kid. You know that little neighborhood kid that comes over to your house, knocks on the door and says, Is little Johnny home? And you're like, Oh, Lord Jesus, who are... Oh, goodness, it's him again. Well, if your home is a home that's full of secure love and your kids feel that, some of the best thing you could do is let that child feel that love from you. Because when they're at your house, they'll, they're going to remember it was different. It was different in their house. It felt different than it did at home because at home, mom and daddy were always was cussing and fighting with each other or it was always was tense in the house. But when I'm over here, I like the way that they treat one another in this house. I like the way this house feels. There's something different. That's going to minister to them and give them hope and give them some sense of security. Because there's people all in this world that they don't have that type of opportunity. And it's so sad to say that even people in the church often will not create that kind of environment in their home because they have a distorted view of God. You see, that love and acceptance just as you are brings security. You see, you've you got to understand something. Mom and dads need to love one another. And they need to speak well publicly and privately about one another and to one another. Amen? Amen. Because what does that do? It brings security in the home. It brings security in the home. I'm going to throw this out there. And I want you to receive this, that we need to speak well of one another publicly and privately, even if you're divorced. Even if you're a single parent. The worst thing you could do would be to talk ill of your parents' mother or father when they're not around even if they're incarcerated, even if what they did to you was horrible. Don't, don't translate your angst and your bitterness and unforgiveness to your children. You need to deal with that between you and God. Amen? Instead of transferring that to your kids because then your kids grow up hating men or your kids grow up hating women because that's all they heard in the house 
was how terrible that men were, how terrible their dad was. Now, that doesn't mean that we lie and we tell our children that dad is great because maybe he wasn't so great. Maybe he abandoned them. Maybe he's made a lot of mistakes and hurt you a lot, mom. Or maybe the, the wife or, or the mom hurt the kids real badly and dad's left with these children. And, and what do I do? What do I say? Here's what you do. You show them the heart of God for that person. You show them the heart of God for that person, which is a heart of love and forgiveness. That, you, that doesn't mean that we don't use wisdom. We still use wisdom, and we're not just going to act like everything's okay because we're still going to have limitations and boundaries and things like that, but we're not going to down that person in front of our children, and we're not going to convey that heart to them and transfer that heart to them. We're going to say, you know what? Daddy isn't here, but you know what? We still love him. Wherever he is, whatever he's doing, we're going to pray for him, and we're going to show him the same love and grace that God shows us. Wow. That's a dad that that kid can grow up loving even if they never meet him. Amen, somebody? Even if he doesn't want to be involved in their lives. That's a mother that that child could grow up loving instead of being angry towards women and then treating his wife poorly because he has a bad view of women, because he's insecure in the love that he was supposed to get at home. You can still create a sense of security right where you're at by showing grace. That's where security comes from. It comes from understanding grace. It comes from understanding, you know what? I'm accepted just as I am. I'm loved just as I am. And that way your kid won't grow up envying someone else's home. Your kid won't grow up envying someone else's life. Oh, why isn't our life like so-and-so's? No, they know we got it good here. We might not have the best of everything. We might not have the big screen TV. We might not have the best cars. But guess what? We got love and that's enough. We've got grace. That's enough. And when you realize that, that's when you realize Christ is enough. And when Christ is enough, He's going to be enough for your kids because you're showing them that love. And I want you to get that. That brings security because God accepts us right where we're at. And that's what we need to do with our kids. That's what we need to do with all of the different people that have been in our lives that affect those children. Whether it's a non-present mother, non-present father, it doesn't matter. We love them. We're not going to speak ill of them. We're not going to cause harm to that child and insecurities in that child. Because we need to define what love is for our kids. And we receive that definition from our view of the love we receive from God. The love of God is the same definition that we need to show our children. And here's that definition. I'm going to put it on the screen so you can write it down. Love is the commitment of my will to your needs and your best interests regardless of the cost. You notice there at the end it says, regardless of the cost. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Regardless of the cost. You, you, I want you to understand something. Out of this, the, this security that we bring to our children, it's the same security that God wants to bring to us. He wants us to feel this way, but this is His commitment to us. He's committed to us of His will to our needs and our best interests, no matter what it costs. Matter of fact, he showed us, no matter what it cost, by sending the very best gift He could send. Who did He send us? He sent us His only Son, Jesus Christ. The best He could give. So regardless of the cost, He was committed to our needs and best interests. He said, you need forgiveness, so I'm going to send you my best. I'm going to give you Jesus. You see, out of the security, the beautiful thing about this, comes a feeling of significance. Because what it does is it affirms who we are. And we realize I'm not significant because of my skills or my performance. No, I'm significant because I'm loved. That's what makes me worth something. I, all of a sudden, I get it. I begin to feel loved because someone has committed to me 
out of their will. They've committed to my needs and my best interest, regardless of what it cost them. So that may mean that you may have to make some decisions, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, you know, whoever, that aren't very popular, that aren't always fun, because that, what that doesn't mean is that you're showing them love by when they turn 16, buying them the fastest sports car on the planet. And going, oh, wow, look, we bought you this. Aren't you special? Aren't you significant? Don't you matter? Because look at what we've done for you. No, that's, that's not what makes the child feel significant. What makes a child feel significant, there's nothing wrong with buying your kids stuff, but that's not, that's not, that doesn't equate to love. Amen, somebody? Just buying your kids stuff doesn't equate to love. It's, it's something that you show. It's an interest that you show in them. It's a love that you show in them. It's a grace that's continually present. And that's you committing you know what, you messed up and you're going to have to pay the consequences of this, but that doesn't change your status in my eyes. That doesn't change the fact that I love you. And yeah, I want you to know that. I want you to hear it. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. It's going to make that child feel so secure, regardless of what it costs me. Amen, somebody. Regardless of what it costs me. Are we willing to pay the price for our children to make sure that they feel that security? If it inconveniences us, if it means that we have to turn off the television, if it means that we have to do something that at first may be a little bit challenging for us, and we may have to rearrange some things in our schedule, but I'm going to do whatever it takes, regardless of the cost, to make my child feel secure in my love for them. I'm going to make sure they feel that. I'm going to make sure they understand that. That's not just a spoken thing in our home, but it's a proven thing regardless of what it costs. Don't worry, Dad. You can miss Sports Center every now and then because guess what? Ten minutes later, they're going to play it again. <laughs> Sports Center comes on 10,000 times a day and they just shuffle the information around and try to act like they're telling you something new, but it's really the same stuff they've been talking about for the past five hours. Okay, here we go. Don't worry, it'll be okay, because what's more important? What's more important? We've got to make sure that we're making them that priority and giving them that security. Security and significance bring hope. It's what they do. They bring hope. When you're a child of God, you can't earn security and significance from God. They're a part of being under grace. You can't earn security, you can't earn significance. It's God's grace that brings those things to us by faith in Him. That's why we have hope. And if you do these things, then you're going to give your child hope that no matter what their struggles are, that this is not the end. We give our children hope through helping them understand that they're significant and secure in our love because we parent by grace. We don't parent out of fear, anger, or frustration. You see, when we parent by grace, when we make sure that they feel secure in that love and they're accepted just as they are, no matter what decisions they may make in life, that we want to help them, give them boundaries, give them discipline, give them correction. All of those things are wonderful, but more importantly, we need to give them grace and make sure that they feel secure in that love because when you feel secure in the love of God, all of a sudden you begin to hold your head up. You begin to feel like, you know what, I matter because somebody loves me. Somebody thinks I'm worth something, so I feel significant. And because I feel significant, I have hope. I have hope because I know that I matter, because I'm secure in the love that I was shown. 
You see, that means that no matter what trials your child faces as an adult or as a teenager, or maybe their back's up against the wall financially, maybe they're going through marriage turmoil, and you hate to see your kid go through this, but your kid doesn't give up because they have hope because you let them know that they matter and that you love them. And because they feel that love and they get that from God, they're not giving up. They're not quitting. They're going to hang on. They're going to push through. They're going to hold on because they know that God loves them, and that is not going to change because mom and dad showed them. Amen, somebody? The perfect scripture to help model this and display this is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. I want you to look at this. John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. What did he give? What did he give? He gave his best, his only son. That whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So now, if I understand the scripture and I, I, I see this as my, God's love for me, then all of a sudden I begin to feel secure in the love that God has for me because he loved me so much that he gave his best. And so that lets me know, wow, I can be secure in that love that if I believe in him, I'm not going to perish, but I'm going to have everlasting life. So the, the, one of the, what do you think you could do? The worst thing on the planet, someone says that, you know, you could kill me. Well, that's not the worst thing you could do because I'm even secure beyond that because I know I'm going to have everlasting life with him. Because of Jesus. Not because of anything I did, but because of Christ. Amen? For God so loved the world that He gave. And so now I feel secure in my love from God because I understand how much He loves me. And because of that, I can also look at that scripture and I can find significance. Because I can see that God so loved the world that He gave. For who? For me. Because I was in the world. I was part of the world. I was part of this way of thinking. And now all of a sudden He did this for me. He loved me so much. He thought I was so valuable that He would do this and give His best, His only Son, for me. Man, that makes me feel special. I don't know about you. Amen, somebody? You should hold your head up and, and, and you should square your shoulders back and feel proud because you're a child of God. Because He loves you right where you're at. You see, and now I have significance and I have purpose now because of Christ. And then guess what else it does? It gives me hope because I know that I'm not going to perish. I'm going to have everlasting life. That this life here on earth is not the end. That it's not over for me. The worst thing you think you could do to me is still not the worst because I'm secure in my love, because I'm significant, because I've got hope. I've got hope. And that helps me to grow and fill the things in my life that I need. But mom and dad, I want you to understand that you can model it and show it and point them to Jesus with the way you raise them. And that's what I want us to get today. We must give our children hope through understanding that they're significant. Grace-based families have a confidence that knows God loves me in a very significant and profound way. So here's the thing. We don't have to live our lives in fear of all of the evil that's around us. Hello, somebody. I said we don't have to live our lives in fear of the evil that's around us because there's evil everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's going to want to try to intimidate you. Matter of fact, you'll see on the headline news of Fox News, CNN. You'll see on the cover of Time magazine, on the cover of all these different magazines, all these terrible things about how kids are turning out and what's going on and how the latest craze and this is the new drug and this is the new thing and this is the new evil that's in the world. And it's meant to intimidate you and scare you. But if you're secure in your love of God, if you're secure in your relationship with Him, that gives you a confidence to continue to grow, to continue to move on in spite of the evil that's around you because you're not parenting out of fear there's a lot of things that would want to make you run back out of fear 
and go, oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? This is the latest poll. This is the latest thing. Oh no. No, if you're parenting by grace and you're giving your kids the three main things that they need in life through giving them that secure love, that significance, and that hope, then your children are going to be those kids that are in the book of Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 that says, raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. Why? Because they're secure in who they are. They're secure in the love that you have provided in the home. They're secure in the fact that God loves them and accepts them just as they are. That changes everything. That gives a generation hope. That gives you and me hope. It doesn't matter how we were raised and all of the difficulties that maybe we've gone through because it's time for us to realize the baton has been passed to us. And we need to look not to the mistakes that were made. We need to look to the one who's perfect. And that's our God, our Heavenly Father, who's the perfect parent, amen? The perfect Father, hallowed be your name. Even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil. Why? Because I know you're with me. Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff are going to bring me comfort during those times. Matter of fact, you're going to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The Bible says that, sh- that, that surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm secure in that. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. When? Forever. Forever. That's the security that only He can bring. Amen, somebody. Grace-based families always have that confidence. 1 Peter 4 and 10 tells us that we need to be good stewards of that grace. We need to be good stewards of the grace that's been given to us. So here's the thing. What is going on inside of your child bears more weight on their development than the fear of what's going on outside in this world. So let's invest the grace and love of Christ in our children and have faith in that investment. Have faith in that investment. Have faith in that investment of security and love. That's what's going to help us in our view with God and help our children to be grown up and raised up in their view of God. So let's help them. Let's pave the path. Let's give them the right way by giving them the security and the love that they need. Amen, somebody. Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.